0: Today on CityCast Denver, Amazon is the biggest, most innovative marketplace in the world. They make it easy for us to get everything we want or need, but that access comes with a price.
1: Amazon is the epitome of growing corporate power in our economy. Um, And during the pandemic, the challenges that dynamic has created have become even more stark.
0: Today on the show, we have a story about one woman who got a job in an Amazon warehouse right here in the Denver metro area, just before the pandemic. And she quickly found herself in an impossible situation.
2: My voice was getting loud. And I think Amazon was trying to find a way to get rid of me.
0: Today is Friday, May 7th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies and this is CityCast Denver. Let's take a look at the news. We'll see a high of 83 degrees with light clouds later in the day. So there's this new Denver bill and it could provide some people facing eviction with free legal support and that means more people might be able to stay in their homes. It's spearheaded by Councilperson Candy Candice Dabaka, and the bill would replace an eviction defense pilot program that's been in effect already since 2018. I've got my eye on this one. Hey, good news, movie buffs. The Esquire Theater is finally reopening. The 1927 Art House Theater has been through the ringer the last few years with building issues, landlord problems, and then of course, the pandemic. But the iconic little movie house on 6th and Downing will be back mid month. And for you Rocky Horror fans, hopefully the weekly screenings will return then too. Anyone else feel a lot of Amazon guilt this past year? I hate that the pandemic has forced me to order more from the e-commerce giant, but it's the reality that many of us have had to deal with. They just make it so dang easy. What's more troubling is all the news coming out about how Amazon treats its warehouse workers. The big story earlier this year was from Bessemer, Alabama, where many workers wanted to form a union to help improve their working conditions. But it turns out there are problems happening right here in Colorado, too, allegedly.
2: Hopefully, this will help, you know, somebody listening get what, you know, the story about Amazon.
0: Today we're going to hear from Linda Rodriguez. She worked at an Amazon warehouse or fulfillment center in Thornton last year, just as the pandemic was starting. She complained about the COVID precautions they had in place. Then she was fired.
1: Sure, sorry, do you mind if I close these these doors? Hold on one second, I'll close these doors. Yes, okay, all right, thank you, all right, bye.
0: David Seligman is an attorney and executive director of Towards Justice, a nonprofit legal organization based in Denver. I'll talk with David about this case, and you'll also hear a few excerpts from a conversation we had with Linda earlier this week. David, this week you filed a formal administrative complaint with the Colorado Department of Labor regarding the treatment of workers in an Amazon Fulfillment warehouse in Thornton, and specifically the case of one woman, Linda Rodriguez. Um, Can you talk about the essence of this complaint?
1: Our client, Linda Rodriguez, alleges that during the spring and summer of 2020 um, that when she was speaking out on uh, on her own behalf and on behalf of her coworkers workers um, at the Amazon fulfillment Center um, in Thornton Colorado about Amazon's policies and practices that were uh, increasing the risk of spread of COVID 19 within the warehouse, that when she spoke out about those issues, um, she was retaliated against, she was fired. Um, and that's precisely the kind of conduct that Colorado's new whistleblower law, the FEW Act, the Public Health uh, Emergency Whistleblower Law, prohibits.
0: Okay, and that's what's happening here. We have this woman, Linda Rodriguez, who is speaking out about her experience. Who is she? What's her story?
2: Um, I was born and raised here in Colorado. Um, I was born in Delta. And right out of high school, I moved to Denver. You know, got married, had my kids and six grandkids.
1: Ms. Rodriguez worked at, at like, you know, thousands of others in Colorado. Um, she worked at a, a large Amazon um, fulfillment center.
2: At the time, it was just making some money. Um, I mean, I didn't make it thinking I was going to make a career of it or anything like that. Um, I honestly didn't know what to expect uh, because I've never worked in warehouse before. It was $17 an hour. And at a time, it was time and a half on overtime. But I believe in May, they did double overtime.
1: You know, she worked grueling hours at a breakneck pace. During the pandemic, as many of us were working from home um, and on Zoom calls.
2: And at that time, because everything was shut down and Amazon was the main source of anybody getting any kind of products that they needed, tissue paper, you know, different things like that, because all the stores were closed. They mandated 60 hour weeks and there was no, it was very intense, very, very hard work.
1: It was because of of all of all of that work, you know, all of that work during the pandemic drove uh, Amazon's tremendous revenues um, during 2020.
0: And when we talk about this in this situation in particular with Linda, can you talk about what happened to her or like what was going on at the warehouse that brought her to have to make complaints?
1: Ms. Rodriguez was concerned about several policies and practices that she alleges uh, that uh, Amazon engaged in during the pandemic.
2: Well, what I saw the problem as being is is there was a lot of Spanish-speaking employees. And they were at a disadvantage because when you walked into the building, they would have signage um, that would be English only so they weren't able to read what that signage was and what it was asking is do you have a cough do you have a fever do you have a headache
1: so you know amazon you know at 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 the beginning of every day miss rodriguez says they they would um Talk to workers about whether they had fevers, coughs, any other symptoms of COVID-19 or had been exposed to to COVID-19. However, they wouldn't provide that information and ask those questions in Spanish, notwithstanding that a large proportion of their workforce is Spanish speaking.
2: And when they read the temperature, where the person would take their temperature, he would speak to them in English as well. And if they didn't know what he said, he would just point to the badge reader for them to uh, do their badge. Um, As long as you didn't have a fever of any kind, they moved you forward.
1: That led to uh, not only to a, a miscommunication, but allowed Amazon, Ms. Rodriguez says, to place pressure, to maintain pressure on its workers, in particular, its immigrant workers and its workers of color, to continue coming to work, um, you know, even if they felt sick or even if they had been exposed. This was a time when um, people, you know, around the state and around the country were, were, were losing their jobs, when many workers were tremendously, you know, financially vulnerable and felt that vulnerability. And, you um, and and because of that, you know, uh, employers and, and large and powerful employers in particular, including Amazon, had a you know tremendous power to like you know maintain pressure on their workers to, to continue to come to work.
2: Well, wow, the anxiety for myself to walk in and the fear, you know, I didn't want to get sick. I mean the the amount of people that were being, that were sick in the United States and how we were. One of the only places that was open, you know, that the, the possibility of us getting it was to me at the time high.
0: And Linda's multilingual, right? She was like, kind of put in this position to be a go-between with her fellow employees, right?
1: That, that's right. Linda speaks Spanish and English, and um, but many of her coworkers were were Spanish-speaking, uh, you know. And I think that uh, Miss Rodriguez's story is particularly inspiring because. Notwithstanding, you know, all of the power and wealth that Amazon has, all of the efforts that Amazon has has, has gone to, you know, around the country um, to to squelch worker voice and power, um, you know, Miss Rodriguez has done the work to you know speak out about those issues, uh, to stand up for herself uh, and, and for her coworkers, um, you know, in this case especially for her coworkers who were you know even more vulnerable than she.
2: And the first instance that I had was um, one of my coworkers, she coughed. Or she was coughing a lot. Our supervisor sent her home. Well, I happened to see her outside of the building, um, and she was telling me she was being sent home. And I was kind of upset with her, saying, why did you even bother to come in? And she, like she said, I have to make money. She goes, I have bills to pay. And uh, she said, but Brian, which is our boss, sent sent her home. I was more upset the following day. Because the following day, she did call and text uh, other coworkers that she tested positive. And we were not informed. And there's probably about 30 of us in that one particular area or group that we all work pretty closely together in. So um, I had gone downstairs and talked to HR. And I explained to them you know what my concerns were um, about her uh, being ill. And her actually tested positive, and that I, you know, had contact with her. And nobody had advised me anything, and and instead of being um, sympathetic or having any kind of compassion, I was met with being yelled at. Is like, how did you know? Who told you? Um, what's her name?
1: But it was because of that speaking out um, that she ultimately lost her job, according to our complaint.
2: I had been complaining. About the issues to my supervisor and HR. Uh, Probably, well, it started in June, but it it really intensified in August, the the beginning of August, I would say. Um, I was brought in and said, Hey, um, we believe you have time theft. And I had no idea what he even kind of meant at that time. And what he had told me is that I had left the building, that I had punched in, left the building. But I believe that they were looking for any reason to stop me from coming in and constantly complain because I think that my voice was getting loud and I think because I was helping all the other Spanish speakers as well, Amazon was trying to find a way to get rid of me.
1: This complaint um, is a that we filed with the Colorado Department of Labor is a is a prerequisite to, to filing under the law as a prerequisite to filing a, a, a case in court. And this is, you know, I think was also sort of central to the policy that Colorado enacted in the summer of 2020. The FEW Act allows workers to pursue powerful penalties um, and and damages, you know, against the companies that um, and employers that retaliate against them for for speaking out. Um, So the legal process in this case is is just starting. um, And, you know, it could take uh, it could could take quite a while. Um, But the law allows Ms. Rodriguez to pursue, you know, powerful relief.
0: So I'm also thinking about this in a larger context, because there was that huge story out of Bessemer, Alabama, with the warehouse workers there and trying to form a union and fighting for better working conditions. What should people here in Colorado take away from both Linda's story and the Alabama one?
1: I think there's sort of two key things um, for listeners to take away, notwithstanding all of Amazon's tremendous wealth and power, power and wealth that has only increased Um, during the pandemic. Um, They have gone to extraordinary efforts in many cases um, to prevent workers from, you know, exercising their voice and their power um, to speak out about COVID-19 issues. Um, But as we, you know, saw in Bessemer and I've seen in other instances, you know, about, uh, you know, other issues generally. At the same time, there continue to be workers who are willing to speak out against some of the wealthiest and most powerful companies in the history of the world. Their interest in, in speaking out, even if it means facing the risk of retaliation, that inspires me and, and you know, makes me optimistic that, you know, we can help to rebalance our, our economy and the sort of asymmetries of power that exists within it. You know, the other, I think, takeaway um, from this case is that laws matter, right? Let, that, you know, the work that um, the Colorado legislature did uh, during the summer of 2020 um, and worked hard on some really important laws to, you know, protect workers Um and to help the state fight the pandemic, that those laws matter, and they matter quickly. And they that it's those sort of legal tools, legal tools that aren't available in other states, that allow Miss Rodriguez to make this claim. In enacting the few Act, um, I think that they, you know, have have given workers, you know, the ability, like a, a, a tool, um, to to raise their voice in the way that Miss Rodriguez has. Um, and that's that's something that we should be mindful of here.
0: David, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much, Bree.
0: We asked Amazon for comment on Linda's story, and we didn't hear back in time to include it in this episode. I'll let you know what they say as soon as I can. Until then, we thought it might be a good idea to try to understand what's happening at that warehouse in a different way. So we looked up the state's COVID outbreak data to see if there have been any reported outbreaks. It turns out there have not been any reported outbreaks at the facility where Linda worked, Den 3, but there was a reported outbreak at Den 5 in Adams County. There were six reported cases there back in July of 2020. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. But before I go, we've had some really incredible feedback from you all, and we wanted to share our favorites. Producer, Alexandra McMahon. All right. Well, this one comes from Juliana. She says, I listen daily, and when my middle schoolers are en route to school, we listen together. I wanted you to hear it from an appreciative listener. Thank you for your content and guests. We learn something new every time we listen. Aww. Producer, Paul Caroli.
1: So this one comes via email from a listener named Georgia. She writes... I know, I know, it's annoying for born and bred Denverites to have so many new people moving here, but we just can't help it, it's such a great place. In all seriousness, I've really struggled to find community here, given all the limitations during the pandemic, and have been looking for ways to connect with my new surroundings safely. CityCast Denver has made me feel plugged in to what's going on, and I so appreciate all the hard work that goes into creating the podcast and the newsletter.
0: And Peyton Garcia, who writes our morning newsletter. This one comes from Apple podcast listener Old Brown Guy, and he says, This has quickly become my favorite podcast. The content always piques my interest and makes me more curious about Denver. I am a native, and you guys are telling me brand new things about a city I thought I knew. Yay! I love that. Our Music is by Los Mocochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver, and tell a friend about us next time you see them. And keep writing those reviews, we love reading them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you later. Hey, okay, all right hey what's up guys (laughs) welcome to my channel